Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that watches back painful matches so you don't have to. This week on Heart and Hand, save us, Super Ryan. So welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar. I'm your host as usual. Nice to be back in the chair this week. And joining me for some sober analysis of yesterday's rather pitiful old firm defeat are two people who are the leading lights in any temperance movement. First of all, Mr Ian Hogg. How are you doing, David? And our very own tactics squad, Adam Thornton. Hello, David. Good to have you back. Yeah, it's, it's good to be back, although uh, it's kind of like that thing at a funeral, isn't it? It's like, if only it'd been under happier circumstances, etc, etc. Yep, Rangers took on Celtic in the opening old fun match of the season at Ibrox. Fair to say there was uh, an awful lot of optimism among the Bears. I'll, I'll hold my hand up and say I certainly felt it as well. I think we were all looking forward to going into the match on a high after Thursday night after Alfredo Morelos' last-minute goal had nodded us into the Europa League. Uh, good draw as well. An amazing night at Ibrox that, that Thursday night. And all seemed rosy in the garden until, as Mr Hogg and I will be able to confirm, because we watched the game together yesterday in the enclosure, we saw the team lines around about 11 o'clock. And I think it's fair to say judging by the reaction of the people that we were talking to, the people around us, my phone, your phone, social media, it caught people by surprise. Yeah, it did. Um, I I was at my parents uh, yesterday morning, David, for a a wee pre-match coffee, um, and the team line came through, and my daughter handed me her phone and went, there's a team dad. And immediately, do do you know one of those times you think, well, that's a prank? Because that can't possibly be the team. Where's the wingers and why is Alfredo Morelos on the bench? Um, we, we, we've we played well in spells. I'm not going to say all the time, but we've played well in spells. 
playing with with playing with pace, playing a, a real high pressing game. And when we don't play that high pressing game, uh, we get days like St. Martin or we get days like Kilmarnock, where you know we kind of get ourselves out of, out of jail. But against the likes of Leisure, certainly in the second half, we're really, really pressing high up the park. I expected that just to continue, especially with all the narrative and the rhetoric around Celtic's defence, not being the greatest and the, the, all mainly debutants, um, with the exception, I think, of Nier Beaton, who went off injured. And um, centre half. And, and isn't a centre half, clearly. But we set up with this wacky. I think, Adam, you might disagree, but we set up with this wacky set of tactics around, or or at least we lapsed into this style of playing, whereby we had almost a Christmas tree type formation. Celtic, instead of us, pressed really high up the park. And at times, especially in the first 20, David, we struggled to get out and we kept on, we, we resorted to lumping the ball high to our smallest striker. If that was going to be the... But a potential outcome, play Morelos. One thing he can do is fight and hold the ball up. Um, I just, I, I found it odd. I get that, you know, players are going to need a rest. I get, you know, the we were hoping for the empty the tank type routine, given a lot of the forwards won't be away in international duty. Um, but it baffled me that, say, guys like Arfield were in, when Arfield's looked knackered for weeks, but Alfredo Morello stayed in the bench, and it seriously baffled me the the absence of either Jones or Ojo. Adam, um, as Hoggy said, uh, it looked like a narrow midfield. You could call it a four three three. I think it it did look as though it was more likely to be that that sort of Christmas tree formation. However, having watched the game back and obviously watched it live yesterday, you could have chucked a net on our midfield a lot. And the movement was appalling. We will come to the goal, Conor Goldson's error, of course, but I'm going to have to have a little bit of sympathy for him here because the midfielders were, I thought, dreadful in terms of offering options yesterday. It completely broke down. And if you watch back, I know you will, segments of play and you look at where various players are, it's it's ludicrous. There's no shape, even in the, the defence lost its shape, where you would have Katic and Goldson on the same flank but 20 yards apart, which should never happen. And generally speaking, there, w- there was nobody to hit. There was no pass. So Celtic did press, but I don't think Rangers front four, uh, maybe excuse Defoe because he's supposed to lead the line and occupy the centre-backs, but I don't think that the attacking midfielders Rangers picked offered anywhere near enough in terms of movement or options for the people behind them to find them, which of course leads to this thing that we've spoken about before, where Jack and Davis end up going further and further and further back. And added into that, that Glenn Kamara had a dreadful 45 minutes. Yeah, there's, a, there's quite a lot to unpack there. But I think for me, first of all, looking at the team when it when it was announced, it definitely did take me by surprise. I think I had tweeted... Kind of just thinking out loud the day before, I wonder if we might use Arabo and Arfield as those attacking mids. I never seriously thought it would happen. Um, I could see the thinking. I think I'm probably in the minority. I'd never have done it in this game. I completely agree with that. I could see the thinking. Celtic were going to go kind of 4-4-1-1, 4-4-2. So you want to put five of them in there to absolutely swamp them. But as soon as the game starts, like Hoggy said, it was just absolutely lacklustre. Um, I, I wonder whether... The only thing I can think of is Morelos has 
not picked up an injury, but has maybe been shown signs of fatigue or whatever. And Gerard has has picked Defoe and then kind of worked back the way and tried to fit a team around that. If you're picking Defoe, you're not necessarily going to want Jones and Ojo playing on either side to whip balls into him. You kind of want to replicate that success that we had at the tail end of last year with two ball players, if you like, closer to him to try and link up to him. So I don't know if that's what's happened, but I mean it didn't work. And I know we're not we're not ones for giving praise, but but Celtic for me did what they had to do very well. Um it was a wee bit of a role reversal from our home games last season. They they got in our faces, didn't let us play. We didn't cope very well with it at all. They cut off the supply channels to Tav very well on that right hand side. So that means we've got McGregor firing balls at him at head height or more importantly, they just let us play with Katic and Flanagan down one side, who are both right-footed players playing on the left-hand side. They're not mega comfortable on the ball anyway. Having to play on their weaker side just makes it worse, and you could see the pressing triggers from Celtic, whereas they were happy to let them have the ball. As soon as we got into Kamara or we managed to find Aribo, they were on them in swarms, quite happy, really, just to leave them in possession. And then when it gets forward, like you said, David, it's just so frantic. We're so poor on the ball. Aribo looked... Horrific for that first half. He looked like a wee boy lost. Um, and Jack Kamara and Davis, you're right. That that three works fine when we're pressing, when the, the two in front of them are working very well. But more often than not, that three playing behind the ball just doesn't work. It's just so passive and so defensive. It was. I've seen this said a few times. It was like an away game. It was like the game last year, the, the mm. corresponding fixture where we sat in, we sat in, we sat in for that first half. And the manager said himself he wanted to. I think he used the word suffocate play. Um, in the first half and then come out and hit them after the game you guys have been to more old firm games than me that never works you need to come out no. the traps you need to come out the traps especially at home yeah it never it never works I'm not I, I can't fathom I, I, I get the formation at the start I can understand the logic of what he was doing but the approach in terms of the passive pressing not finding your man not moving in I just can't figure out what happened now Adam and I have had a private disagreement folks that we're about to take public and that is that a fair point was raised by by people that it was the same lineup that beat Celtic two 0 in May, with the exception of Aribo for Kent, and therefore the manager might have thought that they would be able to do a little bit better. My argument uh, is against that because Adam, uh, and I'll just explain to you why you're wrong. That you cannot do that because the circumstances of each game are entirely unique. Firstly, in that game, Celtic had pretty much won the league. It was all done and dusted. There was no pressure on. Um, Rangers went into this match to, as favourites with something to prove, and that's a different type of pressure. Secondly, it was a completely different Celtic defence. Um, they're in a completely different set of circumstances. Their confidence wasn't as high as it could have been in terms of they've had a lot of criticism. And I felt that the team... That that day, that one major major difference in having Kent rather than Aribo is that's pace. So you do have an outball, whereas yesterday there was none of that. Celtic could push right up on us, knowing that we could not hit them on a very fast counter because the only one in the team with any real pace was Tav, and he would be starting from so deep. So I felt that if the manager had thought along those lines of we did that, then I think he picked a team for a game in May and not for one on the first of September. Yeah, no, that's that's completely valid, and I should absolutely caveat that yesterday's uh, discussion slash agreement was following ten pints for me. But <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. But I think that's what it comes down to those ten players specifically. I, I don't think playing Jones and, and moving him a little bit wider, or even having Kent there a little bit wider, 
I don't think that would have been enough to uptick those ten players' performances. I guess my, my point on that is point. my point on that is they all played terribly. Yeah, I, I don't even think you I can have any tactics you want, can't exactly. you? If it you've got ten guys or, not, yeah. or, or or nine guys, because I think Flanagan did fine. Uh, if you've got nine guys who are nowhere near what we know they're capable of, then it don't you know you could have Arigo Saki sitting there giving out the tactics. It's not it's not going to work. The tactic um, doesn't make the tactic doesn't make Davis kick the ball at the park. It doesn't make Tav have a stinker again. It, it it's just combined with player performances and, and Celtic kind of nullifying our strengths. I think just caused it. Yeah. That said, though, Hoggy, um, while I do accept that, what Adam said, you know, you 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 need to look at the players at the end of the day. They were the ones who didn't perform. I do think that there are maybe, if you like, um, intangibles that were at play yesterday. And for me, they do sit on the manager now. Regular listeners will know that I am basically just a Stephen Gerrard groupie. But that doesn't mean that uh, I will avoid giving him criticism that I think is valid and deserved. And I think he is due criticism for yesterday because I do think it's valid. I think that he overthought it. I think that he has this naturally conservative streak that we see in things like two holding midfielders regardless of, of opposition, that we see in things like um, the late not wanting to make substitutions in case it upsets the flow of the team. And I think that was at play yesterday, as Adam said, he mentioned that he wanted to basically suffocate the game and then try and hit in the second half. That That's an away tactic. It, didn't, it, it was never going to work in an old firm match. And I think that coming in as high as everyone was, and I include the fans in this, that even if he'd played Jones and Morelos yesterday, it might not have worked. I get that because the rest of them didn't play well. But to me, that team sent out a message saying, we're actually a little bit fearful today. We're, we're more interested in containing and stopping them playing than we are in just going out and having a go. And that was reflected yesterday very early by huge amounts of frustration in the stands. I mean, where we were... And from talking to other bears that were at the game, I, you know, it was happening in their sector as well. People were saying, why are we doing this? Why are we playing like this? Why aren't we having a go? This is our stadium. And I do think sometimes you should be aware of the psychology of a fixture, which, of course, you know, Stephen Gerrard has forgotten more about football in the last two minutes than I'll ever know. But I do think he misread that. Um, I said to you yesterday, and I'll say it on the pod, uh, with, with the potential to be lynched at some point, David, I felt yesterday was new, it was Stephen Gerrard's Neil Lennon three at the back from me uh, moment, in so much as he, he's he's on on the face of it, it looks as if he has just completely overthought it. It's all about containment. It's all about the focus on Celtic as opposed to the focus on us and our strengths and all the good stuff that we've done. Legia Warsaw, for example, that second half we were we were good, uh, but we were good at our game. Because we know what we're good at, and therefore, you know, we took the game to Legia Warsaw. I, I, I've got no problem if you're trying to contain a game against a side whose tails are up um, and who are going to go after you. How many times did Walter Smith do it at Parkhead and come away with a result? Um, but we were at Ibrox yesterday. It's our tails that have been up and therefore my belief is we should have been going and trying to play our game and trying to win our game. The picking aside effectively to try and contain Celtic um, does send out the message of I'm not entirely sure of trust us to do what 
we think we're capable of. Um, and therefore, we spent the we seem to have spent the first ten minutes, David, um, being reintroduced to each, the players being reintroduced to each other on the park. Joe Rebo looked as if he hadn't seen a football before for about the first twenty minutes. He was getting brushed off the ball. Poor Gary, the, our, our own quiz master, poor wee Gary Morris could probably have shoved him off the ball yesterday in the first twenty minutes. And Gary's what about five foot one, and I know that's rich coming for me. Mm. Um, but it, it's. It, it really was left field. It felt so left field, but so utterly unnecessary. Because when you coupled that with Adam, as you said, eight or nine players having not a good game or a downright stinker, and Celtic's tails are up quickly and they sensed it really quickly and they got after us really quickly. Um, there was patches of that first half where I was saying to David... If we get to nil nil, if we get nil nil at half time, we've won a watch. Well, shit, it's one nil. David said to me, "If we get in one nil, we've won a watch." Yeah. And that's how poor. That's how poor we were. Yeah, but there was just no sense of anything connecting or any fluidity at all because there wasn't any. As I say, having watched it back um, without the emotion and. Uh, it, it was like that. It was a very, very fragmented, very fractured display by Rangers. We couldn't get anything going. And Celtic were good at what they wanted to do, but let's not kid ourselves. I've seen a few people try to, to suggest this, but let's not kid ourselves that, that Celtic were exceptional or played wonderfully. They didn't. They, they all did their jobs. They all won their battles. But that, I think, was in large part due to, to how poorly some of our players played. Aribo has come in for a lot of criticism, Adam, and I think a lot of it was to do with uh, a couple of less than full-blooded challenges he put in in the first half. I would tend to maybe cut him some slack here because he's certainly not the first player uh, from either side who's gone into an old firm match and just thought, what the fuck is going on here? And he absolutely looked like that, didn't he? He looked like a, like a little boy lost, uh, unfortunately, I think. <laughs> Not helped by how passive everyone else is, but he just like Brown just sat on him pretty much for that entire first half, um, and just nibbled away at him and took the ball off him, and he, he couldn't get going at all. Um, and you're right, the atmosphere um, can sometimes uh, can sometimes have an effect. The number of games that he's played, I don't know off the top of my head, has he played eleven out of the, eleven out of twelve games or eleven out of he's, played, games he's so played a lot and a, and a lot more than he would be used to at a higher tempo than he's been used to in his time. And and like like a few other players, and we'll come to a couple of others. He he looked a bit frazzled yesterday. Yeah, and and I think I don't think that role suited him either. Um, now that you, you look at it, um, I, I don't think. He's a he's a kind of transitional player. He's one of those players that you want to start from deep and have running on to the ball, whereas he was getting it with his back to goal. And while he does have really good feet and he can slip balls in, all he's got on it on the outside of him is Glenn Kamara yesterday or Flanagan trying to get up. It kind of puts him on a bit of a hiding to nothing, to be honest. Um, when he's not got that support, who weren't even they weren't even getting all the pitch anyway. But if they did, they're not the most uh, renowned attacking attacking threats that we've got in the team. So I felt for him a little bit. Um, he, he didn't uh, he didn't have a good game at all. Hoggy, uh, certain other players I thought looked shattered. Scott Arfield, I was not surprised to see him in the side because I think that the manager has a rump of players that he will pick really come hell or high water in big matches. He'll just always default to them and Arfield is one of them. But he was non-existent against Legia. He, he wasn't very good last week either. And I think it's easy for me to say, but 
maybe sometimes the manager needs to use the squad a little bit better or, or have more trust in some of the players because it seems to me that we've got this rump of players who will always play and then this other group of players that we've brought in that we're hardly going to see and that seems a little odd to me when you've got a player who's clearly struggling so badly. Scott Arfield got picked yesterday because he's Scott Arfield. Uh, he didn't get picked because of his former fitness. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I think for, for Steven Gerrard, Scott Arfield's been a, been, a, been a big, big player against Celtic. That's why he started. Um, Scott Arfield, I think, is looking knackered. Even though he had the final two weeks of the season off, you know, and... and that's a long time ago now. Then he effectively went off with the Canadian national squad and seemed to play about 400 games for them and ended up coming back, had maybe about two days in largs and then ends up playing European qualifiers and straight into the Scottish uh, League campaign. So Scott Arfield, I think, is going to need a break. I'm pretty sure he's now going off with the Canadian national side. Um, I would... I don't want to see Scott Arfield at Ibrooks for Rangers against Livingston. I'd be quite happy saying to him, away you get five days in the sun, just stay in Canada, do whatever. You need to recharge and be back at Ibrooks for the Feyenoord game. Um, because we need the Scott Arfield that was firing in all cylinders. Take the December game against Celtic last year. Uh, we need that Scott Arfield back and we haven't. we've hardly seen that since the start of the season, David. And the other one, and he copped a lot of flack for a slack ball that led to Celtic's first goal. As I say, I've got a bit of sympathy for both the centre-halves yesterday who got shouted at a lot for either aimlessly retaining the ball or just hitting it long. There was literally nothing else they could do, guys. There was no obvious pass that they were refusing quite often. And that was Connor Goldson, Adam, who... Again, seems to be one of the players that, that Steven Gerrard trusts extremely, but questions have arisen, obviously, that Rangers have spent three million, a lot of money for us, on a centre back. Uh Nico Katic has been playing out of his skin, but it does seem or, or certainly feels that it's Connor Goldson plus one. Yeah, it does, and I'm, I'm the same as you can I, I know it's probably not uh, not ideal listening, but to talk through that goal, David, I think you're absolutely spot on. First of all, Goldson had a very poor game. I think he lost the ball 13 times, seven of which were in his own half, which uh, kind of shows you how, how poor he was in possession, but also how how high up Celtic were pressing. But for that goal, um, it actually starts with McGregor put the ball out to Katic. Um, he tries to bring it forward. He kind of turns back, changes his mind, because as you said, there is no no passing options. Kamara has come into the left-back area for some reason, and he again gets the ball, goes back to McGregor, and then it comes out to Goldson, who... Tries to bring it forward. Um, Jack sits in. Davis is in a poor position. Tav has got two men on him, as usual. He, he doesn't really know what to do. He plays a stupid pass to, to nowhere. Um, I'm not really sure what he's doing with it, but I, I kind of need to stick up for him. There's just no one there. We've seen it with Warrell. Warrell got all that stick, and yes, he made a mistake against Kamarnock, but it was the same situation again. There is zero passing option. If they're not going to lump it long, there's not much else they can do. I think in this situation, Goldson should have lumped it long. I think Arfield, I've seen Arfield berating him um, just as they were going back to to take kickoff, they should have played a ball over to him. It's a, it's a very ambitious ball to lump it over Celtic. Um, I did feel a little bit for him. Um, when Johnson gets the ball, he takes it on. Jack has dropped back in to, um, next to Katic to kind of support. He gets caught in two minds. I think Mikey Johnson plays the ball very early, so Jack's just about trying to come out and close him down. Plays the ball. 
Katic, I think, is trying to play offside and go for Eduard at the same time. Gets caught doing nothing. Ends up just playing him on side. Um, and it's a, it's a decent finish. But I, I completely agree, David. Goldson has looked shaky, but he's he seems to be undroppable. Uh, as far as a manager goes, you can class him in the, the same category as, as Tav, um, Jack, Davis, Arfield, Morello, something until yesterday, I thought. Um, so you could, these kind of go-to guys. Um, I would be up for... If it's not uh, Hellander coming in to, to partner Katic, I'd be up for uh, Edmondson getting a, getting a run for a couple of games because I think it, he needs a rest. But he seems like one of these players that will want to keep playing um, through it um, like he did last season. But I think at some point somebody's going to have to take him aside and say, I think you just need a wee break, big man. Adam stuck on something there that is a, a regular feature of our poorer performances. And I don't want to see his laps into it because we did a lot last season. And that's that a lot of the time in games where we're not playing really well, Hoggy. And we have won a couple of matches this season where we've not played well, which is great because last season we did, we couldn't. We had to play well to win a match, and you're not going to get anywhere like that because it's unrealistic to expect a team to play brilliantly every week. But when the team are having these off days, the midfielders do seem to just drop deeper and deeper and deeper and become really, really static. And suddenly you're left when Rangers quite often can have maybe as many as, as six players in our own half, then a huge gap and four or five players on the edge of the opposition box. And teams just fill that space and completely block it off. We've got to find a player or the management has got to get with these guys who are regularly playing into their heads that on days like this, that can't happen. And we see it time after time. And we've got away with it a couple of times this season against St Mirren, against Kilmarnock. We didn't get away with it yesterday. No, we didn't. And it's I think it's often their kind of our midfield's almost comfort blanket is their go-to place. If things aren't working, um, I'll drop deep because I can make it work. I genuinely believe that's the case because you've seen take out against the likes of uh, East Fife or St Mirren, um, you were finding. Joe Rebo almost coming back to try and be the quarterback. Ryan Jack's got a tendency to go and do that. Stephen Davis wants to do that all the time as well. Um, one of them needs to take responsibility. For me, it's Stephen Davis. I'm a massive Stephen Davis fan, but he's an elder statesman in there. I, I think he tried to in the second half. He didn't play well, but I think he did at least try in the second half to do that, to drive forward. Yeah, well, not just drive forward, but also tell people their jobs and their roles. Stephen Davis has been a captain in the past. Um, I'm sure he'll be captain Rangers again. Um, and for me, that's part of that role. If you're that deeper line player that's trying to dictate the play, push the other ones in front of you up, even just five, ten yards. Tell them to get into the right spaces. Tell them where to go. Talk them through the game. You'll see experienced centre-halves do that. In fact, you know, to touch on Conor Golson, I actually think Nico Katic has been talking Conor Golson through games recently. That's how well Katic has been playing. For for me in the midfield, that's got to be Stephen Davis's role. He is the senior statesman in there, or the elder statesman. He needs to be getting them pushed up. He needs to be getting them into the right positions. He needs to be talking kids like Joe Aribo through the game. Because... You know, I think we, 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 we sometimes do this, you know, in our, we, we've got an absolute burning desire, a demand, a want uh, to win, to win silverware. We have to have it. 
Joe Aribo is um, a fantastic football player, but he's come from Charlton and he's still a kid. So, you know, we, we cannot and we should not expect the second coming, David. And mm. sometimes with him, and I'm guilty of this as well, because you see what a talented player he is. When he's getting brushed off the ball and his head drops a little bit, that's where the senior statesmen in that side need to be talking him through it. Your Scott Arfields, your Stephen Davises, your, you know, although he was a million miles away from him, your Tavs, even your John Flanagan's, guys who have been there, seen it and done it. Um, at varying levels, and some of them taking some tankings in the past few years with us from, from the other side. So I'd, I genuinely didn't see that yesterday, and that actually really disappointed me from Stephen Davis. Um, Celtic, of course, got a, a, a second goal in injury time um, from, I don't know the guy's name, the one that looks like Deadpool Scrotum. He uh, he got the goal and Celtic, you know, 2-0, I don't think it was a 2-0 game, doesn't matter, the defeat's a defeat. Um, but there was only time then for a, a cameo uh, from Jordan Jones when he ran, smashed into a, a bad tackle, no attempt to play the ball, just was looking to foul the guy, ends up hurting himself. Um, that's not what you're supposed to do, uh, Jordan. It's supposed to be the other way round. And got injured and now is a three-game ban, Adam. Not not great. No, not at all. Um, I guess it was a bit of frustration. And, and the manager mentioned after it, he's probably trying to appease the crowd, but that's not the right way to go about it. Um, it, it was very cynical. Um, I would question, going back to the first 10 minutes or so, um, how much more cynical it is than, than Callum McGregor's um, tackle on... Scott Arthur, I think it was. It's an excellent I point because that tackle is I'm not going to get booked for this at this stage. And and listen, I don't think it was a red card, the, the, the McGregor tackle. I hold my hands up, people may disagree. I don't I think it was a stonewall yellow. Um but he did it knowing that the ref wasn't going to give him a booking at that stage. And that that's piss poor officiating. It is. He was very lenient, and I think you're right. They're, they're both yellows for me. Um, I, I get the Jones one is maybe a little bit higher, and he's went out to do him, so maybe the intent factor comes into it. But there was more than a few challenges early doors that, that could and should have been bookings. I don't really think you can get away with doing what Madden did and being that lenient in old firm games. I mean, I'm all for letting games flow, but but some of them were shockers. Um, and if they weren't, they were either third or fourth kind of petty tackles. Um, first yellow card was for Arfield in the 89th minute. Has that ever happened before? I can't. I can't think of it. Um, and it played right into Celtic's hands. To be fair, is are quite happy. Um, they were quite happy time wasting and breaking up play once they once they got that goal. We shouldn't chuck the baby out with the bathwater, Hoggy. It's the first setback of what so far has been a very good season. We've ticked every box. We've hit every target that we've been after. And we do need to remember that the low of yesterday came just three days after the enormous high of a, a very good victory over uh, a, a good side. You know, Legia are, are a good side. They had a good defence. They knew what they were doing uh, on a wild night at Ibrox that, that was unforgettable. Yeah, um, and Thursday was Thursday was brilliant. But it's the west of Scotland, David. You're only as good as your last game, especially when you've been starved of success like we have. I said earlier, we're desperate for it. Um, so therefore, we're, we, we're going to almost get a kind of magnified um, response to the great and to the bad. Uh, and we got that on Thursday and we got that yesterday. See, in the cold light of day, it's the first old fun game. We wanted to go into that old firm game with maximum points. We did. 
we did that grinding out two hard fought results at Kilmarnock and, and St. Martin, something we hadn't seen last year. Um, so we had maximum points. I think the manager had a shocker, the team had a shocker. Um, we were beaten 2 0. We, d- we didn't deserve anything out of the game, frankly, right? Um, but it's the first old firm game. There's, there's, there's three to go. Um, and I don't care what league season it is. The league's not won by the first old firm game, David. And therefore, you know, absolutely. Yesterday I was quite animated and angry, as you know. And But cold light a day, 24 hours later. Um I think that there's there's a time and place for what I'd call hysterical fanny holding. Today's not it because we're three points behind. Now, this time last year, Christ, how many points were we behind? What, six or seven by this point? And seven. Seven. So, and we were piss poor. The manager and the team, piss poor. We've talked about it. Two players turned up, the rest didn't. The manager didn't turn up. Um, the coaching staff didn't turn up. And for me, Celtic played probably as well as, as we're going to see Celtic play um, against us. And therefore, it's now about how we react. You know, last season, we would react to disappointment in a bad way and play within ourselves. Um, I expect us to go and take Livingston to bits at Ibrox in the next game. Win 4 or 5 nil. And it starts to get us back on track and we start to build that momentum again. Um, so that that's that's probably the my optimistic chip in my head kicking in. And that doesn't often happen. But we've seen it this season already. You know, when the chips are down, we've ground it out. Um, and therefore, I, I genuinely can't see us turning in a performance like that again. And, and certainly not seeing the next old firm game. Because if, if we do, then that's a pattern and that's that, that, that would be curtains. The next few months, Adam, the challenge is something that we didn't do enough last season, which was win the games against the rest of the league. And now we don't play Celtic again until after Christmas. We've got a, a huge run of fixtures coming up now, the Europa League. Um, some excellent but big matches against tough teams are going to be, be coming here. Again, to bang on about this squad thing, you know, we heard a lot in the summer about we're bringing in these guys to give us options for these games. If we were going to have to see people start to establish themselves, and it may be that you're the league game player and you're a, the Euro Night specialist or whatever, but we have a big squad, it's got to be used. There's no point getting to the end of the season and somebody's played 70 games and somebody else has played three. Um, that seems pointless. No, we do. Um, we absolutely do. And, and I think we need to start seeing the. Uh... Start seeing guys like like Andy King and and Brandon Barker um, and even Jamie Murphy if he's if he's staying getting getting some minutes now um, in various types of games. You're right, it's a relatively I don't want to say easy, but there's no mega mega big fixtures until what Hearts uh, Aberdeen at home. I think we've got and then we've maybe got Hearts away at the end of October. Um, but there's nothing earth shattering other than that um, in the next five or six. So I think we we could do with being on a wee bit of a run. Um, obviously Hasty's been out on loan today. Barker and Jones are injured slash suspended. Uh, Ojo's got a bit of a knock, so we are a wee bit light, I guess. Well, we've got, what, half bit Arfield, Greg Stewart and, and Jamie Murphy, really, on the wings, depending on how bad Ojo's um, knocks, etc. So I, I think uh, I think we need someone else in. I'm sure we're going to come on to it, but I think we definitely need someone else in there as well, never mind uh, some of them getting minutes. 
Well, beautifully set up there, Adam. I appreciate that. Thank you. That was a lovely segue. And that is, of course, that the news... Uh, Rangers are, uh, as we record Monday Monday evening, Rangers are close to a, a deal, a permanent deal for Ryan Kent. Uh, he would be returning for £7 million from Liverpool on a four-year contract if, and we do stress as we record, if the deal is done. Which, of course, means that by the time a lot of you listen to this, this next section will either be incredibly valid or very redundant. But what can we do? We are but slaves to the Rangers social media team announcing things. Hoggy, um, firstly, it's a player Stephen Gerrard obviously covets. It's a player who's very popular with the majority of the support. But there have been some people questioning, is he worth £7 million? Is he worth £7 million to us? And could that money have been spent better elsewhere? Um, first things first, David. For all our Celtic-supporting listeners, just exactly where are we getting the money from? Uh, you will never know. EBTs are back. Um, is he worth seven million quid? So, I think Ryan Kent, the Ryan Kent that we saw last season, certainly in the second half of the season, um, grew in to be a terrific football player for us. Um, I genuinely think if seven million's the going rate, and we know what he can do for us. I think that's that, that's a real key. Sometimes you get transfer deadline day deals and you get a little bit excited and then the player takes umpteen months to get to, to get into the side. Think Jermaine Defoe, for example. Jermaine Defoe and Stephen Davis, we brought them in straight away at Rugby Park and it, it bombed badly. Um, we know exactly what Ryan Kent's going to be able to do. We know he's fit. Um, and therefore, if... If he can replicate what he did in the second half of the season for us over the next two, two and a half years, then we'll sell him at a huge profit, David. Uh, and therefore, that's that risk and reward thing. That Are we happy to continually get free transfers or low-cost signings and one in five work? Or are we happy to push the boat out? knowing fine well that there's a there's a fair to middling chance that he's going to be able to hit the ground running and then sell him back to England in the next two and a half years. That That's, I think, as long as the finances are right and the deal's structured right for Rangers, then I think it's a terrific signing. I really do. Do I think he's worth £7 million? I think in the long run, he's worth £7 million, yes. I think that, that it's important to clarify that it's not maybe quite as straightforward or quite as binary as, as people sometimes believe, Adam, in terms of a, a transfer fee like this. That firstly, we're buying them for £7 million doesn't mean we're giving Liverpool £7 million tomorrow. Secondly, well, you could have spent that on a different player. Again, it doesn't quite work like that. Ryan Kent's wage demands will be considerably less than, say, someone like Fabian Delph, who went for £8 million. And you would think, well, just put an extra million on that. You're maybe looking at a contract, a four-year contract, that's worth an extra genuine, you know, four or five million pounds than you are on, on Ryan Kent. So again, it's not quite as straightforward as that. And lastly, or you could buy two players for that. Again, are the two wages combined more than that? Are the two initial payments you need to put out more than Rangers have currently? There are a lot of factors that go into play before you make a decision like this. There is, and, and you can also flip it around and say, would you rather buy Ryan Kent or, or Bresda and two Mexicans? Um, <laughs> and I think 
I think that's that's perfectly valid. I agree with Hoggy. I think he he will be value uh, at that amount of money. We don't know what the structure is. If it's after European appearances, international appearances, even or if it's just straight instalments, sell on fees, etc. We we don't know the ins and outs of the deal. For me, um, at the stage where I don't really, not that I don't care about the money, but the transfer fee is is kind of irrelevant. I think Kent is the lowest punt in terms of a player coming in that can hit the ground running um, in the team. Um, if the fee is is over what we normally pay, then okay, I'm not uh, I'm not on the finance side of it. To be honest, I I am on the playing side in terms of he for me fills a gap that that we need. Um, we need someone in there who has experience of playing in this team for this manager against these players. Um, and he showed on more than one occasion last year that that he's a big game player. I get people's concerns about maybe he's. His inconsistencies, maybe the start of last season, he was injured for a little bit and then he came back and, and he kind of was okay for bits and pieces. But the last four or five months of the season, I thought he was um, one of our main um, creative players, certainly behind Morelos and, and Tav. Um, and for me, it's a, it's a no-brainer on the football side of it. I think that, that one of the arguments put forward by by people who, who aren't keen on the deal is he's not going to win the league in his own. No, he's not. Nobody is. So let's just cut that argument straight away. There is no silver bullet unless Lionel Messi feels that he's got this huge gap on his CV that he needs to uh, atone for. The market we're in, there isn't the one player who's going to come along and do it. It's all about building. Some parts are more expensive, more important than others, and hopefully Ryan Kent, if he signs, would be one of those. The other thing, though, is is this... uh, Well, you know, we had him last season and we lost games. We'll lose games with him now, uh, you know, that that's what's going to happen, but he is getting better and one, he has no fear of a challenge, two, he's a big game player, three, we know he turns up in old firm matches, which are important, and all of these factors are risks, as Adam and Hoggy have explained, that you don't know when you sign a player from um, well, when you sign a player, full stop, so you're, you're minimising the risk to that. I think that what we've seen over the last week is There is definitely a certain type of Rangers supporter who, for want of a better word, uh, is comforted by misery. And you see it because the the, the type you don't hear or you don't hear from them on Friday morning, but you never hear the fucking end of them on Monday morning, you know? Um, And it's everything's a negative. And I I suppose the defence would be that after the last 10 years, who can blame them? But Hoggy, you and I are are kind of older soldiers and fuck we these guys when Walter was winning things <laughs> we these guys we these guys when Advocat was there so I, I just think that there is a mentality I, I and I'm sure those same people would turn around and tell me that I'm I'm a happy clapper and I'm always you know looking for positivity and, thought, and maybe I am but I just don't quite understand this constant looking for things to say that's shite we'll fail don't know why we're doing that. Waste of time. I, I don't get what it brings to the party. Welcome to Scottish football mentality, David. Uh, I don't think it's a Rangers thing. I really don't. I think it's a, I think it's a Scottish mentality thing um, that we're only happy when things are shite. Um, because then we can moan about it and we love a right good moan. Um, so I think when you magnify that by the last 10 years or last nine years or whatever, uh, with with exactly where we've been, David, then you get this... We're, we're starting to get closer 
and therefore folk want it now. We want it now, we want it signed and sealed, and we want it guaranteed. Listen, there's no guarantees. <laughs> there simply isn't guarantees. Football doesn't work like that, unless you're Manchester City. And even then, Leicester City won a bloody league. Mm-hmm. So this this is this is the game that we all follow. Sometimes it feels quite... Um, it's almost as if we're putting ourselves through unnecessary stress and torture and into an early grave. But that's the game that we all love. And, and and you're right, some go after it from a happy, clappy mentality of always looking the positives. Some always look on the negatives. Doesn't matter what we do. Tomorrow's still going to be shy and Ryan Kent won't win as the league on his own. And you're right, of course he's not. That's why we've got a bloody squad. Um, I like to think I'm probably somewhere in the middle, maybe veering to the negative side usually. But um, listen... Ryan Kent will improve our squad. I think that's that's only an opinion, but it's, we, it can almost be taken as fact. Ryan Kent, in my opinion, will significantly improve our starting eleven, and therefore that gives us a better chance of winning the league and a better chance of doing well in Europe and maybe even progressing out the group stages. Maybe, but the flip side is maybe it won't. But if 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 we're only dealing in we don't if we don't want to deal in maybes with football, David, then that's probably the time that we want to just pack up and chuck it, because football is, it's 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 a game of maybes. It, it really is. So therefore, us us signing Ryan Kent, you've got to look at it as a positive, surely, because look at the game that we played yesterday. Is anyone trying to tell me? For a single second, that Ryan Kent would have wouldn't have improved us yesterday. And I think that it's also good news for people in in Glasgow, Adam, who sell snapback hats in NFL merch. Absolutely, I think Colin will be getting into that soon um, for us. So it should be an absolute goldmine. I think you're right, hundred um, percent. That's another benefit of it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I could carry that off. Quite frankly, I think I might look like Vanilla Ice as he is now. <laughs> Um, rather than... that, um, I, I go back and look at that Ryan Ryan Kent Instagram picture of him in the Louvre, um, and and it just slays me. Um, yeah, so if we can get if we can get anything like that on the go, I think people will buy it. To be honest, I think that there's that's that's a series I'd like to do on Patreon for those of you who haven't signed up yet. Why not um, get to Heartland on Patreon? It's brilliant. You'll love it. Patreon.com forward slash Heartland just one ninety nine per month. But I think that. We should take Scottish football figures to fantastic historical or cultural sites and get their and get their take on it. So, for instance, you know, you you could take Jim Leishman, right, to the the Tate Modern and get his <laughs> his views on Tracy Emmons' shitted bed with a knickers in it thing. There's there's room here. We we need to think laterally. Speaking then, just before we go of the European draw. Obviously, Hoggy, it's been a hell of a ride, um, not just on the pitch, but off it as well. Uh, the other night with 3,000 seats closed, that will happen again against uh, in our first match at home against, uh, I think it's against Feyenoord. Right. Feyenoord. Feyenoord yeah. Yeah. So it's an interesting draw Rangers have. Um, and I think that there's just something great and glamorous and colourful about European matches. It's where our club should be. It is, and so 
I'm going to say something here, David, again, might upset some. I think Rangers, with where we are right now, we're, we're, we're a Europa League team. Uh, we're not a Champions League team, um, neither a Celtic, frankly. And that's where... Well, obviously, I mean... Uh, you know, absolutely. You need, you know, I'm not uh, even a last qualifying round Champions League team. Indeed, you kind of need to get past Cluj. And, and that should be funny when they play them again in the Europa League. Um, so, at the minute, we're a Europa League side. And therefore, sometimes you can draw teams that you've never heard of, like Osiek, for example. Uh, Scoopy, I'd never heard of them in my life before. Uh, and I like to think of myself, David, as a fairly... Uh, knowledgeable football person that that just shows that's a lot of shite um, the draw that we've got is a kind of Champions League-esque draw uh, Feyenoord Dutch League winners a couple of years ago Porto, we played them in the Champions League Young Boys of Bern have been in and out of the Champions League it's a tough, tough draw but let's face it who doesn't want those Champions, who, those Champions League-like nights at Ibrooks? Uh, that first one against Feyenoord I think will be superb then we've got two away games Young Boys of Bern and Porto if we can have four points from those three games then that probably makes it game on for me and I suppose Adam the thing for me is I, I, I agree with Hoggy I think it's a good draw there's some amazing fixtures uh, but there was a bit of me that was on the one hand relieved and on the other hand sad that we didn't draw Roma or Lazio. And the reason for that is we're both Adam and I Serie A fanboys. We do a Serie A show on on Patreon. And I'd love to have seen that. Against that, I know they'd have had to shut us down the day after. And look, there's no argument. If we'd been to Rome, because we'd all have gone, we'd had to. It's the last time we'd get to see Rangers. And I think even as we were kind of coming back in, you know, at Glasgow Airport, and they were saying, you know, they're going to shut you down. Well, we we know, we we accept it. But what a fucking way it would have been to go out. I think Jimmy Bell would have turned off the lights of Ibrox on the way out rather than <laughs> go back. I think he'd have, right, we'll see you later. That's us. I, yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, it would have been great. Um, obviously, Man U, Arsenal, Lazio, Roma were the the big four, I think, in, in the group, um, or in the draw, sorry, I would have liked one of them, if I'm being honest. However, the group we've got, as Hoggy said, it's pretty much Champions League level. Porto are a, are a very big name still, um, as are Feyenoord. Um, it's one of those fine mixes of decent ties, but also it is pretty much not out with the realms of possibility that we could go through as well, so it's kind of perfect from that sense. Okay, folks, that will do us this week on Heart and Hand. Uh, we will be back uh, as soon as the football starts up in a couple of weeks with the first Heart and Hand extra of the season to preview the Livingston game. Uh, just time to thank our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles, and to thank my two guests today. First of all, Ian Hogg. Pleasure, mate. Thanks. Adam Thornton. Cheers, David. And I'll be back to talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Until then, have a good one. Bye. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.